welcome back to another episode of CQP Moments. As always, I am your host, the Coupon Queen Pen. Guys, I know everything seems to be turned upside down right now. And a lot of people are looking for a new path. My guest, Chris Holmes, can help with that. So let's take a moment out and I'll be right back with Chris. So guys, like I was saying, I have Chris Holmes and I know you guys have been turned upside down. We couldn't go into the out and it seems like we were shaken and not stirred. So Chris is actually here to help with some of those things. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell you what I mean. Queen, thank you so much. And I am thrilled to be here today and to talk to your many listeners. Um, you know, as you said, I am... Um, an executive recruiter and partner at a firm called the O'Connell Group. We specialize in marketing and market research recruiting, all levels from CEO all the way down to a couple years of experience. I also am a member of the Pinnacle Society, which is a premier consortium of recruiters, top 80 recruiters in North America. And finally, I just wrote and launched a book called Ignite Your Career, Strategies and Tactics to Unleash Your Potential and as well as launching a website for different services such as complete coaching, resume writing, interview prep, and negotiation. And I am thrilled to be here today to share insight with your listeners and try to help them on their journey as they figure out where they should go and how best to get there. Yeah, because we know that's like, especially now, that's a kind of touchy thing. Yeah. Um, We see a lot of businesses shuttering. We see and and more than that, we see a lot of businesses letting go of employees. So a lot of people are saying, hey, you know what, I have to change. And then the crazy part is I'm seeing a lot of people have to change fields, which yes. in, in and of itself is very, very confusing and overwhelming. So, okay, question, like, What exactly would a person need to bring to someone such as you to say, okay, you know what? Because everybody goes, okay, yeah, I know I need to bring my resume so that it can be tweaked, it can be fine-tuned, but what should they be prepared for when they come to, let's say, even someone such as yourself for, you know, for a consultation? Yeah, great question. And, you know, the resume is important because it shares with me, you know, kind of from whence you came, what you've been doing, what your responsibilities have been, hopefully what your results have been and how successful. But other things I think people want to do, especially during this time with this cloud hanging over us, is really take a moment to step back and and not just think about what career was I in, but... Did I like it? Was I happy? Was I successful? Did it leverage my strengths? And, and Queen, as you know, my book says, I believe a really important thing for success in your long-term career 
is finding a role and a career that leverages your strengths, that capitalizes on the things that you are innately great at, and that allows you to really soar. So I think not just coming with a resume and saying to somebody, where should I go from here? but really doing that self-assessment, even taking assessments that help you crystallize what are my towering strengths and where might they lead me. Lead me. Right, because you also talk about false expectations. Can we talk about that for a minute? Like what, what is a false expectation? Because I know we always talk to like teenagers and they're like, okay, I got out of, I've gotten out of high school and I expect to be like the CEO in like two years. Yeah. So we already know <laughs> that that doesn't work. But I mean, there are smaller false expectations that people have. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. And there, there are two different groupings. One is your family's expectation. Certain families have a lot of lawyers or doctors or, or whatever. And sometimes people fall into that because their family expects that of them, not because it aligns with their strengths. So that is one type of expectation that I tell people to really think through. If everybody's a lawyer, but sitting there reading the briefs or getting up in court just makes you feel sick to your stomach, you need to think about that. The other is what schools call FOMO, fear of missing out. And that's where when you're in school or even in the workplace, you look at friends or peers that might be in finance, um, in investment banking, on these, you know, at, at top companies like Amazon or Google, where people feel like they too should be there because it's high profile, but that's not the case. You should only be in those fields if they align with your strengths. Really and truly, the, t the name of the company and the career you're in is irrelevant if it doesn't fit you well. So you're much better served looking internally queen versus externally to figure out where you're going to go and be successful. Right. Okay. In other words, so don't go looking for a specific, you know, title because you're really clout chasing. Right. And, and the other thing that I think is so critical to realize is your career is a marathon, not a sprint. And so what ah. you need to do is build a really strong, sturdy foundation that's going to allow you to build a strong career versus going after title or money out of the blocks where you may not get that training to build that foundation. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Okay. So here is, and maybe and maybe a little bit off but here's what we're finding now especially like i said with everything being such a mishmash mm -hmm. is we're finding stay-at-home moms having to go into i mean we've always had stay-at-home moms having to go into the workforce sure for the first time but now because maybe the spouse has gotten sick unfortunately with covid and can't go back right away. Now the bills definitely need to be paid and something needs to be done ASAP. So what do you do with a single mom that, or not even a single mom, but a stay-at-home mom that's kind of either she's been out of the loop for a while or mm -hmm. she's never had a job since she's had kids? What, what do you... 
It's a great question. And, and you're right. A lot of people are seeing that happen right now. And um, as a mom of three, I've always worked, but I've always looked at stay-at-home moms and, and they work hard. It's not like they're home twiddling their thumbs. They work hard and, and through the work and probably managing their career, you know, their kids and what they're doing and, and doing all the work at home, they actually have developed skills they're not even thinking about. So okay. I would still tell them, A, to take assessments or really try to identify what are they great at. And then also think about what are the things on the home front that they really excel doing. And that may lead them to the way. The other thing is, um, you know, there are jobs out there to be had. And sometimes you need to step into a role to figure out, do I like it? Am I good at it? Sometimes you have to do what I call kiss a few frogs before you find your prince. Okay. So I'm telling people, whether it's stay-at-home moms or people who have lost their jobs and, and their industries have imploded. If you think about travel or hospitality or fashion, right. or luxury, it, it's like figure out a way to grow and build your skills, whether it's taking online classes while you work at Starbucks or work at Amazon delivering packages, figure out a way to continue to grow and build your capabilities during the pandemic while you're making ends meet to support your family. Perfect. So is this what you mean by learn, do, and leverage? Well, when I was talking about the foundation of your career, that really ties into the learn, do, leverage. And I believe independent of what industry you're in, those are the three phases of your career. Learn, do, leverage. At the learn phase, majority of what you're doing is new. You've not done it before. It's hard. You may not be good at it the first or second time, but after doing things five, 10 times, they become very natural and you're building your capabilities and your skill set. Um, and, and in my book, I talk about this is like you're building your toolkit. And as you build each new skill, you're building a quality tool that you then put into that toolbox. Now at the doing phase, you have developed a lot of quality skills and you've built those tools and you now have that toolbox to go and take and build something. So at the doing phase, you're leveraging all those skills you developed. You don't have somebody looking over your shoulder quite as much. And the analogy I have is you are now taking those tools and building things. So you're building houses and to become really good at doing you have to build a lot of different architectural designs versus the same thing over and over. And once you've done that and you've really become great at doing, you then shift to the leveraging phase. And that is where much of the work that gets done gets done through other people that you are training and mentoring. So here you are the general manager, the contractor, watching over other people building. So learn, do, leverage, and at that learning phase, it is really critical to either work for the best companies you can or work for people who have learned at the top training companies so that they can help you develop the best skills. Wow, okay, wow. So, okay, 
that's that's something that actually I wanna I wanna take a moment out and talk about is yeah trying to learn from people who have already learned the who already have these skills because I was always taught you know if you want to do something and you don't know how to do it follow the people that are already doing it so in other words how do you get how do you get a person when you say okay I want to learn how to do accounting and they may want to do an apprenticeship. How, how can they go about that? How can they say, okay, you know what? I also want, I, I want to take the classes, but I want to learn a specific way or a specific method. Uh, great point. And um, that kind of ties a little bit into my chapter on networking. Um, and many people are really uncomfortable networking out of the blocks. They don't know how to do it. They feel uncomfortable. What I tell people is you really have to build your networking muscle. You can't wait until you need a job. What you want to do is have it as a tool throughout your career. And different ways of networking are, first of all, look at your family and friends and see who among them is in an industry that you're interested in. Reach out to them and they are gonna be thrilled to spend time with you, give you their insight, and if possible, even mentor you. Um, you can talk to professors and get their advice and suggestion, have them share people that you might reach out to. You know, anybody who is truly in college or beyond, I believe should be on LinkedIn and should be watching the posts. And as you see people in the industry you're in or want to be in, post something that you like. First of all, like it, then comment on it, telling them why it resonated with you. And then third, message them and ask them if they might be willing to spend 10 minutes with a person who's junior in their career, but in your field, and you'd love to learn from their experience. So those are ways to kind of network. And through that networking, you can often say to people, hey, I am a student and I am looking for experience. I would love it if I could do some project work for you. You know, paid or unpaid, what I'm looking for is really to gain experience that I can leverage down the road. And oftentimes people will have a project or something that they need done but they don't have the capacity to do it. And they might say, I'd love for you to do this. I'll help you through it. And it'll be a win-win on both sides. So LinkedIn is a really useful resource because honestly, I, I, I have to be truthful. I overlooked it for many years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I myself was like, I don't need to be on LinkedIn. I don't really necessarily want to talk to that many people. And I think what it can be for some people is overwhelming. It's not, how can I put it? I guess really because it's social media for, like you said, for networking. Right. And it becomes, for me, I realize, in other words, a lot of these people are serious with what they have. So you have to kind of know where you want to go. You can't just say, hey, I'm on LinkedIn, you know. Right. It's, it's, it's not something, but in other words, those are the connections you get. Am I correct? Like if, if you do it properly, you get the right connections. And that's exactly right. Um, you know, you want to 
build connections within the industry you want to be in. And, and typically, if you ask somebody to connect with you, you can write a quick note to them saying, hey, I'm a student planning to go into your industry. I've been very impressed by you and would love to connect going forward. And, and most of the time, people are really open to it. And the thing we all forget is people, even very senior in their career, had people ahead of them who were mentoring oh. them and helping them along the way. And um. they want to do the same thing. They want to give back. Right, right. Wow. Okay. So now switching gears a little bit. Okay. What about a person that has, and we've seen this where a person, they may have a hobby such as cooking. They love to cook and they're just like, okay. And everybody keeps on, oh, I love what you made. I love what you made. You should open a restaurant. And this person goes, okay. And they decide to open this restaurant and they realize that restaurant really wasn't like cooking is their passion, but not as really as a job or let's put it this way. Cooking is their passion and they may love it as a job, but they're not cut out really to be a restaurateur. Like how do you, how would they come to you and say, Hey, you know what? Everyone's telling me I should open a restaurant or a food truck. And yeah, I love cooking. It's nothing to me, you know, but I don't know if I'm cut out to own a restaurant. I think that's a great case study. And, um, I would tell you what makes somebody a great chef, just like you said, does not make them a great restaurateur because you have to have the business savvy. And so I would tell the person to really assess their skills and what are they great at? What do they love doing? And if it comes out creative and, you know, love cooking and love delighting people, it's like, okay, you have two options then you either can try to go be a chef for somebody else, or you can find a person who will manage the business side of the business and you take on the cooking creative side. And together you might make a great team. But to me, it sounds like you would be absolutely miserable owning a restaurant and having to focus so much on the day-to-day business aspects. It's kind of like a great analogy is a superior salesperson, somebody who blows through all their goals and is a rock star, wins every contest. And they're doing so well that management promotes them to management and they fail miserably. And it's because their skills and strengths don't align with that role. That is true. That is true. I think, I think what it is, is a lot of times and don't get me wrong, guys, we're, we're supposed to shoot for the stars. We are, but sometimes we're not, as you said, Chris, we're not playing to our strength. Right. And like you said, someone that's a rock star salesperson may not. And and this is why a lot of times, I mean, okay, I need to ask, is this a lot of times why we get some, or sometimes why we get the manager who really kind of has this weird, bad customer service attitude? Like they, they just don't have the skill set for it. Yeah, it's, it's one of two things. Either they don't have the skill set or nobody taught them how. Because moving to a managerial role is very different. 
than the role they had been in. They used they were used to owning all elements and doing it themselves. And now they've got to shift a little more to the leveraging phase where they're doing it through other people. And some people have not been taught how to let go and how to work effectively and how to motivate people. And that is a skill and a muscle you have to develop to be a superior manager and leverage effectively in your career. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Wow. Okay. So you said you have a lot of new resources as well. Um, what, what are these resources that you have on your website? Because I mean, you belong to some pretty prestigious groups. So what are the resources that you have on your website that people can use or yeah. yeah. So, so if folks go to ignite your career book.com. There they can purchase the book, but we also offer resources around resume writing, interview prep, and what I call just-in-time negotiation. And the beauty of what we offer is we have different levels depending on what somebody needs. So somebody who's never written a resume is going to need the most extensive help because we're going to talk to them and help them understand what they need on their resume and really help draw out key responsibilities, roles, achievements. And so we're going to help them from ground zero build a resume. Somebody else who has a resume written, but it's not effective. They're not getting picked up for interviews. It's not representing them well, and it's not setting them up for a productive interview is going to need the, the mid one, which is we look at their resume, we spend time with them, we really help them crystallize what's missing on their resume. You know, oftentimes it's results. They have a lot of responsibilities. I did this, I did this, I did this, but nothing about I did this well. And then the third one is kind of the do-it-yourself where there's information that you can listen to in presentations, you can watch and chapter in my book for somebody who's 75% there and they just need a little help getting all the way. So that is the resume piece. On the interview prep, um, very similar depending on where it is. Sometimes people are getting those, res you know, those interviews but they're not moving any for, for farther. So they are not succeeding in either connecting with people or demonstrating their worth and proving that there's somebody not only who could do the job, but has a lot of potential. And so we have a very thorough interview prep session, mock interviews to really help them crystallize their strengths, who they are, as well as get to know the client so that they can demonstrate enthusiasm to allow them to differentiate themselves and score. And then queen on the negotiation piece, many times people have gotten through the process and they've done great and they're holding an offer. But now they don't have anybody in their corner who knows how to negotiate effectively. So we call it just-in-time negotiation. You're holding an offer, you need to get back to them. And we work through the process with them to figure out a way to do what I call win-win negotiation where they are even more impressed with you 
after you negotiate, but it also helps you figure out what's really critical and move the needle in terms of hopefully getting more compensation or other benefits that might be of interest to you. So we offer all those. And then the other thing we have is something called complete coaching. And this is kind of what we take our candidates through. I've been doing this for 25 years and it's really helping them crystallize what are their strengths, what career paths might fit within their strengths. With that in mind, what roles do they need to go get? How do we build a powerful resume? How do we set them up to interview effectively? How do we help them negotiate as well as resign in a very positive way that keeps those relationships in a great place going forward because the world is very small. Right, right. Yeah, trust me. I, you never you never know who anyone knows, especially these days with social media. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, you talk about the long view. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know you talk about that in your book. Absolutely. Well, and, and I talk about it and I share times when I tripped up. So many times people will... Um, be motivated by money or a big title. Um, And they move forward because it feels good in the moment. But it's a really bad long-term move. And as I said earlier in our conversation, I believe that your career is a marathon, not a sprint. And it doesn't matter how fast you're going if you're on the wrong track. So I tell people to think about their career like they're a pool shark, somebody who plays the game of pool professionally. Okay. And that person never, ever takes the easy ball in the corner pocket, you know, takes that job because of the money or the title. What they do is they take the shot that's going to set them up to win the game. So when you have an offer, I tell people, always think long-term, where do I want to end up? And does this role help me get there? Does it help me build my skill set and my capabilities so that I'm moving along the track and set up to win the game? And so that's why I tell people always think long-term, you know, two, three career moves out. Is this the right move to move me where I want to go? Okay. Okay. Wow. That, you know what, we never, I think that's really what it is, is and especially coming from the 80s into the 90s, you always heard like, you know, you need to be a shark. You need to go after it. You need to, and, and, and that was, and I think what happened was, especially growing up in the 90s, you got a lot of mixed information. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you knew you had to have a resume. You knew your resume had to be on point, but you didn't know that, like I said, you didn't know that working in the mailroom didn't necessarily mean in a few years you're going to be a CEO. It was just like, you know, you have to be, you have to be a rock star. You have to make it shine. But in other words, again, you weren't looking at the long view. You knew I want to do this job and I want to make money and I want to make lots of money. And that's usually, especially coming out of high school, coming out of college, this is the idea. Right. And it's like, okay, because let, let's, let's be real. It, you see these ads and everybody's talking about, hey, you know what? This could be you in Aruba. And it's like a couple with 
you know, my ties or whatever in their hands. And it's like, okay, well, how do I get from here flipping burgers to, okay, being able to say, I'm going to Aruba with my ties in my hand and not worried about the tie. So yeah, I, I, I think we got a lot of mixed messages back then. <laughs> oh, I think so too. And I think, you know, independent of what you're doing, whether you're flipping burgers or, um, you know, a salesperson or whatever, I think the key is to do it better than anybody else. To be right, right. to be effective, to be a team player, to have ideas how to make it even better. And that's what gets you noticed. And that's what helps you progress by not just, just getting by doing your job and doing the minimal, but really having a goal every day to go in and have fun and blow your goals away. That's perfect. That is perfect. So, okay. I want to take a step back because I didn't get a chance to talk about this when you said it, Yeah. but how do you propose to clients or potential clients that they get the family off of their back? Because, you know, we always have that one grandma that's like, this is my grandbaby and she's going to be the best doctor in the world. <laughs> and, you know, yep. poor little Molly even hates science. So, right. you know, and, and, and it's like, okay. And Molly may grow up, you know, and say, Hey, you know what? I love hair. I want to do hair. I'm going to take these business courses and I'm going to open my own salon. And now it's like, you have the family going, you know, you're going to break Mima's heart if you open the salon. You better go to, 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 to medical school. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard. How do you propose that people have that conversation with their families and sit grandma down and say, grandma, I don't even like science. Like, you know. I think it's a great question. And, and that's where some of the tools that I mentioned in the book are really effective. So one of the ways that I tell people to figure out your strengths is to take some tests. And there are two, one called strengths finders. And, and I would tell you take the lesser of the two. Um, and the other one is called U Science, Y-O-U Science. And this one has you play nine computer games. And from that, it maps out how your brain works. And they both give you a compilation of here are your towering strengths and here are careers where they could set you up for success. And so, as you said, that person whose family and grandma wants them to be a doctor, once they've taken that test and it shows that all their skills are in creativity or working with people or whatever, it would be a really great thing to go down and sit with their grandma and say, hey, grandma, I know you always thought I was going to be a doctor, but let me tell you why not only do I not want to be a doctor, but I should not be a doctor. You know, let me share with you this test that I took and what my strengths are. And none of them are in science and none of them are in math and none of them are quantitative. So not only would I not be happy, I'd never get through. But here are my strengths and here are places that I could go. And these are the three areas I'm so excited about. I think if you had a conversation like that, 
instead of saying, I don't care what you think. It's like, I do care what you think. And I want to share right. this really exciting insight that I've gotten into my brain and how it works and how I'm going to set myself up for success. Right. Wow. Okay. So, you know, don't just go around breaking Mima's heart because, you know, you won't get that birthday money later. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. That, that, that's really great. I, cause I've always thought about that. It's like, how do you tell, you know, you don't want to necessarily kill people's dreams for you, but that's not where you want to go. Right. You know, we, we always experience that. Now I've also seen this and how do you propose a person? Because let's be honest, when we get older, Sometimes we realize the job we're working really isn't working for us. This is not the career. We don't want to retire as data entry. We don't want to retire as customers. We, we want to, we may not even want to be in that field. And we realize that, Hey, I like building computers. How do you say, okay, you know, when do you say, okay, it's really not too late? How do you propose a person get that mindset? Because I, I know a lot of people that, and I'll be very honest, guys, don't beat me up for this, but it usually is men that have this, it's too late theory. So right. how do they say, okay, you know what? It's not too late. It's a great question. And I look at myself and, and how I fell into recruiting. I was, you know, Kellogg MBA. I spent a decade in consumer packaged goods. I was good, not great. There were certain parts of my job that I excelled at and other parts that I slogged through. And, and Queen, it wasn't until my company was sold that I really thought about what do I want to do next? And I looked at the job above me, the director job, and it made me sick to my stomach. Instead of wanting it like oh, everybody else does, it right. made me really uncomfortable. So that's when for me, you know, out of the blue, when I called my favorite recruiter and said, we want to stay in St. Louis, get me a job. And he threw out come work for me. It really took me back. But what I did was I wrote a list of all the things I loved about what I had done in the past and all the things I hated. And then I, I took that, that brain dump and I took it down to 10 or 15 on each side. And it became very evident to me that the things that made me happy all had to do with dealing with people. Oh, you know, okay. even when I was um, creating TV advertising, which so many people loved, my favorite part about it was dealing with the creatives. You know, it wasn't necessarily the process. And so that's how I switched over to recruiting because I said, you know, talk to my mentors and they said, I think you'd be good at it and you'll know within a year. And it was like, let me try this because there's nothing more people oriented than recruiting. And so from day one, it felt like breathing. So I would tell people wherever they are in their career to write down those lists. What do you love? What do you hate? Take it down to five or 10 on each side and if there are a lot more of the, I just hate doing this stuff, and that's where you spend your day and think how much time you spend at work, then I think you really do have to do a self-assessment of, is right. this how I want to live the rest of my life? Right. And if the decision is no, 
then it's like, okay, where might I want to go? What are the things I love? And it may be keep working while you take some online classes at night or go back and get your MBA or, you know, try working for somebody during the weekends where you may be doing some of the things that you think you want to do in the future, but put your toe in the water, get some experience, get some training so you can transition over. And, and when you transition over, just like I did from marketing to recruiting, I was in the doing phase. But in reality, when I shifted, I went back to the learning phase. Ah. Some of my skills transferred over and, and the, the experience and knowledge about the industry transferred. But I went back to the learning phase which was fine because it was learning I was excited about. But you do have to realize when you make a career shift, oftentimes you go back and you may end up taking a step back in your career to move three or four steps forward down the road in the right career. Oh, wow. Okay. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay. And this next question, I have a couple more questions before we wrap it up. Um, but this next question actually came from the news. It came from a story I saw. Now, how do you, especially now with a lot of jobs being work from home, working online, how do you, how do you help a person kind of figure out if a job is real or it's fake? Because honestly, what just made the news was a woman and it seems like a legitimate job from Amazon. Yeah. Um, but she was testing products and sending them back out to what she thought was a distribution, distribution center. Um, but unfortunately, she didn't know like until two to three weeks later when the police and the Fed showed up her, at her door that it was not real. And they thought that she was like stealing products and scamming people. Wow. Um, I have not read that story. Um, But you know what? There are a lot of scammers out there trying to take advantage of people. Right. And so I think you've got to do your homework. You've got to check out the company thoroughly. You've, you know, once they make an offer, I would ask as part of your negotiation, talk to other people who right. do that role. Um, look online to make sure that role is real. Right. But I think just doing homework versus, wow, this is too good to be true. Because oftentimes right. if it's too good to be true, it is. Okay. Okay. But yeah, it, it, I, I felt so bad for this girl. Like she just was doing her job and she never even gotten paid for it because they told her they would pay her monthly. Right. And three weeks in, you know, they're like raiding her apartment thinking that she's stealing items from Amazon. Wow. So yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so guys, she said, if it's too good to be true, more than likely it is. Now, the ultimate question, the ultimate debate that's in everybody's debate for years. Yeah. How long should your resume be to be something that people are going to read, pay attention to, and not get thrown in the circular file, aka the trash? I love that question. So it depends where you are in your career. 
So coming out of, you know, high school or college, it should be one page. And it should start off with your education, which should include not just your GPA and what your major was, but any leadership positions you had or projects you've worked on extensively. Um, and then it should follow up with experience, which probably at this point is internships or if you happen to TA for a professor, any of those sort of things. But again, at this phase, it's the learning phase. They're looking for evidence of skills, you know, leadership, project management, um, all of those type of things. And that's what they're going to be looking at. After you have been out of college or grad school, for a year or two, then I believe you can go to two pages and it flips. Experience is most important to whoever is going to be looking at your resume and your education is secondary. And here they're looking again to see what skills have you developed? What have you worked on? Have you checked off the right boxes? But they're also now looking for what results have you delivered? because that says you did it and you did it well. And at this phase of your career, they want people who have proven ability to deliver. So one page out of high school, college, business school, and beyond that, two pages. I, on occasion, have seen a three-page resume for somebody at a very senior level. I'm still not a huge fan, but sometimes they have so much relevant experience and accomplishments, it needs to go to that level. But truly, very rarely do people get to the third page. Okay, so you heard it here. In other words, you shouldn't, you, you should go according to your experience, where you are, you know, and what works. And guess what, guys? get her book because it also gives you information on how to create a winning resume. So, oh my gosh, Chris, thank you so much. Queen, I have loved being on the show. It's been so much fun. Oh, I'm glad I've, I've learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned so much. So guys, I, you know, all of Chris's information, I'm like sitting here, I'm like speechless, like, I can't believe this. <laughs> all of Chris's information will be in the show notes, so you won't miss a thing. Make sure you're checking out her book and check out those resources. She has something for everyone's budget. Yeah, you heard me right. I used the B word. She has something for everyone's budget. So this way, if you're changing careers, you know, you've been a stay-at-home mom, talk to her. You've got to meet the right people. I'm always saying, you know, you have to meet the right people. So guys, definitely check it out. Chris, thank you so much. You are so welcome and happy fall. Here's to things getting brighter in the future for everybody. Yes, yes, definitely. Happy fall, guys. Guys, I hope that you enjoyed the gems that Chris was dropping. And definitely make sure you get your copy of Ignite Your Career. All of her information will be in the show notes. So again, you won't miss a thing. Guys, I know it seems like so much is going on, but 
you gotta get a hold of some of this stuff. So as always, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and happy shopping. What's up, everybody? This is Dee Watkins, host of the Unfiltered Views podcast. You are now tuned in to CQP Moments with the Coupon Queenpin.